You're listening to The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam, the series that visits those distinguished as leaders of humanity, not only in history, but in the ranks of the next world. Dive into the stories of the giants who were the first of their kind as they rose to the occasion and became preserved inspirations for generations to come. With your host, Sheikh Dr. Omar Suleiman, let's meet The Firsts. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So last week, alhamdulillah, I mean, we covered Lubaba radiallahu ta'ala anha, who is a woman that very few people uh, seem to have known about, or at least, uh, you know, known her extent, the extent to which she supported the Prophet sallallahu and the way that the seerah connects through uh, the aunt of the ummah in Lubaba radiallahu ta'ala anha. And I always love that, subhanAllah, people um, either start to name their children after some of these Sahaba and Sahabiyat that are not very well known, or they take deeper pride, inshallah ta'ala, in the names uh, that, are, that are well known amongst the Sahaba and uh, the female companions of the Prophet as well. So it was nice to see all the Lubabas uh, come out last week uh, to talk about how the name meant so much to them now. And inshallah ta'ala, we keep this alive in our tradition to name our children after the companions of the Prophet and to set that standard that this is who you live up to. The next person that we're going to talk about is named Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, but she's not the Zainab that we typically speak about. This is Zainab bintu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Zainab al-Kubra, the the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the oldest daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. And, you know, subhanAllah, her story is one that is laced with a lot of pain and it offers another unique dimension to some of the complications of becoming Muslim when the Prophet first started his prophetic call. We talked about people that, you know, had the complications of not having any tribal protection. We talked about people that had the complications of being heads of tribes. We talked about people that had the complications of some pre-existing contracts in Jahiliyyah in the days of ignorance. Uh, Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, through her story, we see an entirely different lens. So let's first talk about her and her age. Uh, the Prophet sallallahu had her when she was when he was about 30 years old, alayhi salatu wasalam. And uh, he used to love her a lot and he used to praise her a lot as is narrated in the books of Siyar. So he loved her, of course, being his eldest. And he also, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, used to praise her characteristics, her traits. She has a very unique personality as they all do. May Allah be pleased with them all. So he loves her intensely. He praises her intensely. And she's the oldest in the house. She is the helper of her mother Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. She is the mentor to her younger sisters, Ruqayya, Umm Kulthum, and Fatima. May Allah be pleased with them all. So she's that, she, she takes on that title of being the oldest child of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and all that comes with that, with her relationship with the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam and Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now she got married very young. And again, when you're talking about ages of people getting married back then, um, you know, a 10-year-old at that time is not the same as a 10-year-old today. A 15-year-old at that time is not the same as a 15-year-old today. And so it's very common to find uh, people getting married at these very young ages. And so what we learn about Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha is that when the Prophet sallallahu received revelation, she, she was a newlywed to Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi'ah. Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi'ah. And um, 
you know, when the Prophet Sallallahu received revelation, there was going to be a complication in her marriage. Now, the only, the only child of the, or the only daughter of the Prophet Sallallahu that was not married or engaged, um, you know, was Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha because she comes afterwards, right? She was, uh, she, she's born after all of this. But when we talk about Ruqayya and Umm Kulthum, they were engaged to the two sons of Abu Lahab. And Abu Lahab ordered his two sons to divorce Ruqayya and Umm Kulthum to cause harm to the Prophet Sallallahu And so you have Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, who's actually a newlywed, who is with her husband when Islam comes. And her husband was a good man. And not only that, there was a family connection to this as well. So he is Al-As, uh, Abu Al-As ibn al-Rabi' ibn Abdul Uzza. His father is uh, al-Rabi' ibn Abdul Uzza. His mother is the famous Hala bint Khuwaylid radiallahu anha, the sister of our mother Khadija bint Khuwaylid radiallahu ta'ala anha. The famous uh, sister of Khadija who in Medina after the death of Khadija radiallahu anha when the Prophet sallallahu would hear her voice, he would say, Allahumma Hala, oh Allah, let it be Hala because Hala was, uh, used to resemble Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha in her appearance, in her uh, in her presence. And so when the Prophet sallallahu would hear her, when he would see her, he would remember Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. So that's actually the mother of Abu al-As ibn al-Rabir. So, uh, you know, Khadija's, Khadija radiallahu anha is of course his maternal aunt in that sense. And Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha is his cousin, um, which of course is very common at the time especially. Um, so when he marries Khadija, I'm sorry, when he marries Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, he gives her, uh, or, or rather Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha gives to Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha this special beautiful necklace. And so the gift of Khadija to her daughter uh, Zainab, upon marrying Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi' is this very special necklace behind which there's a beautiful story which we will get to inshallah ta'ala shortly. And as this marriage, you know, is just starting, Abu al-As was on a trade route when the Prophet declared his Islam. And Abu al-As was uh, similar to the Prophet in that he was a merchant and he used to go to Asham, he used to go to Syria, and he used to, and he was known for his honesty and his truthfulness. And the Prophet ﷺ loved his character because he had many of the traits that the Prophet ﷺ was beloved uh, to the people for. So Abu al-As is away when the Prophet ﷺ receives revelation. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha is amongst the first to accept Islam. Now the story of her Islam is not known uh, to us. We don't know or we don't have an incident that actually traces when she actually uh, embraced Islam officially the way that we do with Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu um, and some of the others that are around the Prophet sallallahu But she's considered amongst the first 10 to embrace Islam, uh, you know, uh, of course, through her father sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Abu al-As comes back from Asham or from one of his journeys and he, you know, he's hearing about the Prophet sallallahu message. He's hearing about all of these things happening. And then he also gets the news that Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, while he was away, already has accepted the religion of her father sallallahu alayhi wasallam and also the religion of her mother Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now Abu al-As is in an interesting situation, okay? As we said, Abu Lahab made his two sons divorce the two daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi break off the engagement with the daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Abu al-As is also getting pressure when he gets back 
to let go of Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha because she has become Muslim. And Abu al-As is in a really, uh, is an interesting situation. He does not want his tribe, this is one of the diseases of tribalism, right? I mean, it's not all just arrogance and we're going to kill the person from the other tribe. It's also, you know, what are people going to say? So he does not want people to say that he accepted Islam just because of his wife. And at the same time, he loves his wife, so he doesn't want to get rid of her. Now, at this time, you know, the, the marriage of a mu'min to a mushrik is not forbidden, right? I mean, so, so this is still early on in the days of Islam, and it is the, uh, it is the norm at that time, right, that you're, that, that you're seeing one person become Muslim before the other and things of that sort. And Abu al-As resists the pressure to divorce Zainab. And the Prophet ﷺ, he actually appreciates that about Abu al-As, that he shows some level of nobility uh, in not, in not uh, succumbing to the pressure to, uh, to divorce Zainab anha. So he stays with Zainab anha, and he also um, you know, continues upon his way. Now, he knew that the Prophet ﷺ was special. He has been around the Prophet ﷺ. He's been around Khadija radiallahu anha. He knows that these are special people. He knows that the Prophet ﷺ is a sadiqul amin. But what is causing him to resist is the fact that, or, or the, the sayings of the people, if he goes along with this, that he only did this, that he forsaked the religion of his father for the sake of his wife. And he did not want to do that. And so he stayed upon his ways. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha was a believer. She was a believing woman. She stayed upon the way of her father, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. So you actually have a situation here where Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha uh, gives birth um, through Abu al-As ibn Rabi' at this time. So she has two children from him. Uh, her first child is actually Ali, not Ali ibn Abi Talib, but the Ali, uh, or not the Ali ibn Abi Talib ta'ala anhu, but Ali, the son of Abu al-As and of Zainab. But he died uh, very early and the Prophet was grieved by that. Her second child is the famous Umama ta'ala anha. And Umama, the granddaughter of the Prophet you often find her in the narrations, just like you see at Hassan al Hussein, the Prophet holding her, carrying her, uh, loving her. This was his granddaughter that would grow up in his shade sallallahu alayhi wasallam in Medina for some time. So these are the two children that they had together. And they lived in this awkward, peculiar situation. What helps Abu al-As is that he's not the political type. He's, he's not um, entrusted with any tribe in the sense he's not expected to lead anything against the Prophet sallallahu nor does he really get involved in these affairs. He's really a merchant, he's a businessman, and he loves his family, and he loves his tribe. So he's just trying to balance all of these elements out while the Prophet ﷺ continues uh, forward. Now, of course, there's a defining moment where this is not going to hold up anymore, and that is when the Hijrah comes, right? Where is Zainab anha going to go when the Prophet ﷺ now leaves Mecca? It's one thing when you're caught in this situation where your father is the persecuted and your husband is on the side of the persecutors in the sense that not that he approves of the persecution of Rasulullah but that he is uh, that, that he's insisting upon his ways. It's another thing when your father alayhi salatu wasalam and your mother uh, who has passed away of course your father is going to go to uh, Medina now to make hijrah. So 
there's some, you know, some narrations about her wanting to do hijrah uh, or when the time comes to do hijrah, obviously there's resistance from the tribe of Abu al-As ibn Rabi'ah. There's, there, there are children involved here. You don't just go and leave your husband. And Abu al-As does, is not ready to become Muslim. He does not want to make the hijrah with the Prophet So Zainab is put in a very tough situation. Does she go with her daughter along with the Prophet and leave her husband behind? Or does she stay in Mecca and wait for something to happen? And the Prophet gave her permission to stay back so that her family would not be separated. So she actually stays back in Mecca. SubhanAllah, think about how painful that was for the Prophet ﷺ, who lost his wife Khadija anha, who was now buried in Mecca and now is leaving behind his eldest daughter in, uh, in Zainab anha, in Mecca as well and having to make hijrah. There's pain on the Prophet ﷺ side and obviously pain with Zainab anha, not being able to be with the Prophet ﷺ and the community of the believers as they have made their hijrah. Uh, to Medina. So this is an interesting component, right? Because like Lubaba, like Umul Fadl anha, who we spoke about last week, uh, Zainab is one of those practicing women in Mecca. And this is an interesting situation. If you think about how much Iman, how much faith you have to have to sustain yourself in Mecca after the Hijrah, before the Fatih, before the, the conquest of Mecca, Right, and to still be upon Islam in the way that these women were upon Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with them all. So the Prophet makes his hijrah. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha stays behind with her husband Abu al-As. And then Badr comes. And unfortunately, just like Al-Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, ukhriju karha la hajata lahum fi qitalina. There are some people on the side of the Meccans that were put out there, but they really don't have any interest in killing us, they're not there to fight us. They're just forced by their tribes. Just like that, here you have Abu al-As uh, going out on the day of Badr, subhanAllah, to fight his actual father-in-law, the Prophet to fight against the side of his actual father-in-law. You can think about how heartbreaking this is for Zainab My husband is going out to fight my father. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is the, these are the complications of these early days of Al-Islam. So he goes out on the day of Badr, not because he wants to, but because he's forced to. And you know, with Al-Abbas anhu, we saw, we actually see the narrations about how he just he never lifted his hand, right? He he was not even he was waiting to be captured and taken by the Prophet. He was not going to kill anyone. Uh, we don't have those narrations, but it could be an assumption that we make about Abu al-As as well, that he was not out there swinging his sword and trying to kill the Muslims, uh, but was taken as a captive uh, uh, relatively early uh, within the battle. So in the Battle of Badr, who captures him? Uh, Abdullah ibn Jubair, not Zubair, Abdullah ibn Jubair, who is famous in the, in the Battle of Uhud, for being the one who head who headed the group of archers that the Prophet ﷺ commanded to stand on the mountain of Ruma. So if you ever go to uh, visit Uhud and you see the mountain, uh, the hill uh, where the archers stood, Abdullah ibn Jubair is the famous leader عنه, of that group of people who of course uh, would pass away as a shaheed on the day of Uhud. However, here in the day of Badr, he was the one that would capture uh, Al-As ibn Rabi'ah. So, here you have the Prophet ﷺ looking towards, um, you know, his uncle looking, you know, amongst the prisoners, looking towards as well his son-in-law amongst the prisoners of battle. And we know the exemplary treatment 
that the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam gave to uh, those people. So they're there and the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Ahsinu ila al-asra, treat your prisoners uh, well. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha is not like Lubaba, Umm al-Fadl, where in Mecca, when she gets the news, she's going to crack a pole upside the head of Abu Lahab and, and take out Abu Lahab uh, for the way that he acted. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha is actually being blamed. She's dealing with the pain of separation now, her husband being a captive now of her father, alayhi salatu wasalam. And the people in Mecca are blaming her and saying, all of this is because of your father. Her in-laws, the family of Abu al-As, are saying all of this is because of you and your father. So she has to prove her loyalties constantly here. SubhanAllah, I mean, this is a hard situation for her to be in. What does she do? She takes the most precious thing in the world to her, which was the necklace that Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha gave to her on the night of her wedding. And she puts it in a bag and she sends it with Amr ibn Rabi'ah, the brother of Abu al-As, and she says, take this to my father and ask him to ransom uh, my husband with this uh, special this special uh, 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 money or this special wealth that I'm sending towards him. So subhanAllah, the Prophet ﷺ is there and obviously the Prophet ﷺ was making all sorts of concessions to free the prisoners in the Battle of Badr, right? Story after story after story of how the Prophet ﷺ was making concessions to free the prisoners in Badr. But while the Prophet ﷺ is there and Abu al-As is there, the Prophet ﷺ also is not showing favoritism to his family. So he's not going to show uh, more leniency to his family because that would undermine alayhi salatu wasalam his justice and the fairness that the Prophet ﷺ was preaching. So anything the Prophet ﷺ did for his family members, he did it for everybody else as well. So with Abu al-As, he is there in Badr and a bag comes to him and he's told that this is the ransom of Abu al-As from your daughter Zainab. And when he receives the bag, alayhi salatu wasalam, you know, he assumes it could be money, could could be some gold or something of that sort. But he opens up that bag and he pulls out that necklace and the Prophet ﷺ could not hold back his tears. He started to weep alayhi salatu wasalam, looking at that necklace, remembering Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, right? And I, I know we, we talked about this with Khadija radiallahu anha, but you can never talk enough about a Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. He's looking at that necklace and he, he's remembering Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha as he's looking at that necklace and the Prophet is weeping and weeping. And the Sahaba don't know why the Prophet is weeping. So the Prophet says to them, do you know what this is? They say no, and he says that this is the necklace that Khadija radiallahu anha gave to Zainab radiallahu anha on the night of her wedding. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, after he cried for a while, he says, إِن شِئْتُمْ أَطْلَقْتُمْ لَهَا أَسِيرَهَا وَرَدَتْتُمْ إِلَيْهَا قِلَادَتَهَا He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you will, then free her prisoner, ransom her prisoner, and also take the necklace back to her. Give her back the necklace, subhanAllah. So if you... You know, obviously the rule here is that the ransom comes in and then the prisoners go. But the Prophet ﷺ is saying, uh, you know, free him. And if you will, you know, send back the necklace to her as well, knowing 
what that necklace is and what the story is. And subhanAllah, the amazing thing here is that she only wanted her husband. She didn't ask for the necklace back. But the Prophet Sallallahu uh, from his heart and from his compassion, from his love, alayhi salatu wasalam, he sent the necklace uh, back. So uh, there was one condition, though, or not, you know, not necessarily a condition for his freedom, but there was something that comes about from Badr as well now. The Prophet وسلم, this time tells Abu al-As that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered uh, the separation of the believers from the mushrikeen in terms of the marital relationships. And since you are not you know, since you have not become Muslim, that you have to be separated now. And so the Prophet ﷺ asked for Zainab radiallahu anha to be sent now back with him to Medina. Badr is actually, you know, on the outskirts. It's closer to Mecca than it is to Medina. It's on, it's on the way uh, between the two uh, in, 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 older, uh, in older routes. But, um, you know, so we're not talking about like Uhud where this is actually in Medina, right? It's closer towards uh, Mecca than it actually is I'm sorry, it's not closer to Mecca than it is to Medina, but it's between Mecca and Medina. Okay, it's actually closer to Medina uh, geographically. But the Prophet ﷺ is, is asking now for Zainab uh, عنها, to come back to Medina with him. And, um, you know, when Abu al-As goes back, um, he honors that request from the Prophet ﷺ. This time Zainab عنها, will go and will join the Prophet ﷺ, um, in Medina. And there was a skirmish of sorts that, that happened with the tribe of Abu al-As. Uh, some of the some of the historians say that this is actually where Zainab had a miscarriage, that she was pregnant and she had a miscarriage, and the complications of that would stay f- uh, with her uh, for years. So subhanAllah, she comes to Medina. Zainab comes to Medina radiallahu ta'ala anha with her father, Rasulullah and now she's separated from her husband, who she loves very much. I mean, you think about the, the pain here and the dynamics and the way that these dynamics uh, continue uh, to shift uh, regarding Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha and her husband Abu al-As. So Zainab is there in Medina. And the beauty of this is, as we said, Umama will grow up under the shade of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So her daughter grows up with, with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha stays in Medina. She's with her father and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam loves Zainab radiallahu anha much. She's a piece of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha as well. And Zainab refuses to remarry. Not just for one or two years. She refuses to remarry for six years. Okay? She's not going to marry anyone other than Abu al-As. Even though she doesn't see her husband, she's holding out hope that one day her husband will become Muslim and he'll join uh, the companions in Medina uh, in, in the presence of the Prophet wasallam, and her family will be reunited. So sometimes these things are forced in, in, in interesting ways. They don't happen in the, uh, in the easier ways. Um, a few years after, so we said about six years later, um, the Prophet ﷺ had heard of a caravan of the Meccans that was traveling between Mecca and Asham. And of course, this was something that used to happen where the, the battles with the caravans in regards to the caravans, uh, because of all that was taken uh, from the Prophet ﷺ, and this is not the time of treaty, right? So there are back and forths and these things that happen when you intercept caravans at the time. So the Prophet ﷺ hears about this caravan going from Mecca to Asham, and he sends uh, a group of companions under Zayd ibn al-Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu to go, and to, um, uh, to go and to intercept that caravan. They go and they intercept that caravan, and guess who's amongst them? Abu al-As. So Abu al-As, who was taken as a prisoner in Badr and freed with the necklace of Khadija radiallahu anha, and then his wife was now in Medina waiting for years 
uh, for her husband to be brought back to her. Abu al-As is brought back to Medina once again as a prisoner, okay? And his goods taken away from him. And obviously, the, you know, the way that this would take place, the way that this would unfold was that there was a ransom process, right? Now, Zainab radiallahu anha hears about Abu al-As being amongst the group of prisoners. And you can imagine her emotions in this regard, as well as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu al-As manages to, uh, uh, to get to her in the middle of the night before Salat al-Fajr. And Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha says, have you become Muslim? He says, no, I'm a fugitive. And Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, um, she asks him to become Muslim and, he sa- you know, and, and he's still not ready to become Muslim at that point. So what does Zainab do? Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha waits until Salat al-Fajr. So imagine you're in the masjid of the Prophet Salat al-Fajr is taking place. The Messenger of Allah والسلام, finishes Fajr and he turns around. The companions are there. They just finished Salat al-Fajr and Zainab comes out, not telling the Prophet and she shouts out that I have freed Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi' and he's under my protection. <laughs> so the Prophet just prayed in the Masjid al-Madinah and Zainab is coming once again. She's saying, I have freed my husband. She's not calling him her husband, but I have freed Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi' and he's under my protection. The Prophet he he looks at the companions who are obviously in shock with the scene that just unfolded here. And the Messenger of Allah says, Hal samir'tu ma samir'tu, did you hear what I heard? And they said, yes, Ya Rasulullah, we heard what you heard, right? We just, we saw that, right? We heard what you heard and we saw what you saw. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said that, Wallahi, I, he swore in, in the one in whose hand is the soul of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, I had no idea about this before hearing, just like you heard. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying, look, if you think that this was something, and of course, who, why would they question the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? But he's assuring them, he's saying, that's the first that I heard of it just like you, right? Like what just happened over here. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, um, you know, that, that, that Abu al-As was an honest man. He's not, he was never really someone who showed enmity towards the Muslims or uh, was not known for his nobility. But the Prophet ﷺ, he says, look, he says, if you accept what Zainab said, he said that I'll return his money back and I'll let him go and I'll free her, I'll free her prisoner. But the Prophet ﷺ was asking them as if he's taking shura, and this was the habit of the Prophet ﷺ to show fairness, right, consultation. So they said, Ya Rasulullah, um, we have freed the one who you have freed, right? It's okay, we understand. Go ahead and free him, we freed the one that you have freed. So the Prophet ﷺ goes to Zainab anha, and he says, Ya Zainab, we have freed the one that you have freed. And Zainab asked for his possessions to be given back to him, and his possessions were given back to him. And um, he told Zainab, the Prophet told Zainab that look, you know, um, and he knows the emotions that she has. This is the father of her children, but not her husband anymore, right? So he says to he says to her, listen, don't let him touch you in that way because he's prohibited for you as long as he's a mushrik. He's still not willing uh, to embrace Islam. So Zainab uh, she agrees to that condition and she tells her husband, she once again prompts her husband to embrace Islam and to join his family and to join the companionship of the Prophet ﷺ and the community in Al-Madinah. And when she does that, um, Abu al-As is afraid once again, he doesn't want people to say that now he became Muslim just because he was a captive. So Abu al-As, what does he do? 
He, he also says that, look, I owe people in Mecca money and I don't want them to say that he just uh, resided in Medina and escaped to Medina uh, without uh, paying back uh, our money. So this whole becoming Muslim thing was just a way for him to save himself from his debts. So Abu al-As returns to Mecca, all right? Zainab has seen the father of her children after all these years and he returns to Mecca and he pays back all of the amanat, all of the debts. Sound familiar? The Prophet ﷺ, even as they were running him out, right? The Prophet ﷺ in charge, entrusted Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu to pay back all of the amanat, all of the trusts. Uh, here, uh, Abu al-As says, I want to go back and I want to pay all of these trusts off. So he returns all of the money back. And then he asks the people of Mecca, he says, is there anything left? They said, nothing is left. He said, okay, in that, in that case, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. He becomes a Muslim makes his way back to Medina, escapes back to the Prophet ﷺ, this time finally coming to the Prophet ﷺ, not as a uh, prisoner, but as a son-in-law who is ready to embrace Islam. And he tells the Prophet ﷺ, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu annaka Rasulullah. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah and that you are the messenger of Allah. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ, of course, was full of joy, right? You're talking about almost two decades of waiting for this moment, for this man to come back and to, and to become Muslim and to finally leave behind, you know, the, the, the image or the illusion of these tribal alliances uh, that held him back from the truth and held him back from his family. Uh, but now he's become Muslim. So what do you think the first thing he's going to ask for after he becomes Muslim is? He says, Ya Rasulullah, can I go back to Zainab now? Do I get my wife back now? I mean, she has held herself, subhanAllah, for, you know, six years, waiting for Abu al-As uh, to come back to her in some way. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was, of course, full of joy with this. He takes Abu al-As to Zainab and he says to Zainab that, you know, uh, he's come to me and he's asked if he can return to you. And subhanAllah, 20 years later, 20 years later, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reunites um, or 20 years from the moment of the Prophet Sallallahu you know, uh, uh, proclaiming uh, prophethood, um, he reunites uh, Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha and Abu al-As ibn Rabi' radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And there is a difference of opinion if it was on the stronger one being if it was on his first nikah. So the Prophet ﷺ actually uh, extended the validity once he became Muslim despite the, the lapse that had taken time uh, then. And Allah knows best. That's a longer discussion. This is Muharram. Uh, in the seventh year after Hijrah. Muharram in the seventh year after Hijrah. SubhanAllah, this is a lot, you know, these people's lives were, you know, especially when you think about Zainab radiallahu anha, the difficulties, imagine how happy she is now. This is the, the life that she was waiting for, right? Even though her mother Khadija radiallahu anha is gone, now she finally has her husband and she has her kids. And there they are in the presence of her beloved one, her, her, her father, and her prophet, alayhi salatu wasalam. Her daughter, Umama, is in the shade of the Prophet Abu al-As was already a nobleman, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, now he's a Muslim. What could go wrong here? SubhanAllah, it was not even a full year except that Zainab radiallahu anha would die. So waiting all of this time, all of this time, you know, you're talking about two decades of this turmoil, and finally, once they are united in this world, Abu al-As has finally left behind Mecca. Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha passes away. And the Prophet ﷺ was devastated. Abu al-As was devastated. 
the entire family of the Messenger Salaam was devastated, right? I mean, this is this came in, in, you know in, 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 at, at a time uh, that was that really struck the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a very deep way, as well as Abu al-As, considering uh, the circumstances uh, of that time. So, this is where we find now that. Um, you know, you find the narrations of Abu al-As crying profusely. You find the narrations of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam crying profusely over what has taken place. You're seeing all of these these narrations of the people uh, of the family of the Prophet sallallahu You know, devastated by what has taken place, and the Prophet sallallahu goes to uh, a group of women. At the head of them, Umm Ayman Baraka radiallahu taala anha, uh, who of course we've spoken about early on, Sauda radiallahu anha. Um Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha and Um Atiyah radiallahu ta'ala anha. So he goes to this group of women and um, he says to them, he says to them to wash her body with water and with uh, some some uh, kamfur and to wash her an odd number of times, three or five or seven times. Um, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, once you've finished washing her body, let me know. Uh, allow me to come and to join her. So they took the body of Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, they finished washing her body, and then they informed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the Prophet sallallahu came in, and he, uh, you know, obviously is looking, he's crying, and he, you know, he cried alayhi salatu wasallam, losing his daughter. This was the love of a father uh, for his daughter. And not only that, but the Prophet sallallahu took his izar, he took his waist wrap, and he told them to shroud Zainab radiallahu anha in his own uh, waist wrap alayhi salatu wasalam. So they shrouded Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha um, in the izar of the Prophet sallallahu in the waist wrap of the Prophet sallallahu And then Mu'atiyah says, we then combed her hair and we put it into three braids and put it behind her um, and then um, proceeded uh, with the funeral prayers. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam, he led the janazah of his daughter Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha there uh, in al-Madinah. Uh, in Al-Baqir, the Prophet ﷺ went into the grave of Zainab as he had gone into the grave of Khadija anha, her mother, and received the body of Zainab anha, and was comforting Abu al-As, um, you know, and, and of course uh, his granddaughter Umama, who were devastated by the loss of uh, this, this wonderful woman, Abu al-As, the wife that he had been separated from for so many years, Umama from her mother, who raised her, uh, you know, without her husband for all of those years, and the Prophet ﷺ bidding farewell to his daughter, uh, his eldest daughter, alayhi salatu wasalam. And Abu al-As, uh, you know, subhanAllah, would cry so profusely, and he would he would console himself with lines of poetry about uh, his sadness and how much he missed her. And then Abu al-As dies only about a year after the after Zainab ta'ala So subhanAllah, you see. Uh, the the love that these people had for one another and the sacrifices that were made for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially on the part of Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to send his peace and blessings upon the messenger alayhi salatu wasalam and his family and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be pleased with them uh, and the sacrifices that were made and we learn from this subhanAllah in the very unique ways that people uh, had to make compromises, sacrifices in, in regards to their families, their tribal alliances, all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So she's one of the first and she is the first daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jazakumullah khayran. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. 
Tune in every week for the next episode, and don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, The Forerunners of Islam.